Super Friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this, the long-awaited episode 92 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. I have absolutely not been here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers, headphones or whatever it is that you're listening to us on. But after what has been an incredibly, incredibly busy couple of months, I'm back. And I'm planning to catch up on my podcasting, ready and in time for our 100th episode to drop whilst we are at San Diego Comic-Con in July 2023. This episode, I want to talk to you about a film which is currently in cinemas across the world. It's fair to say that this film is struggling slightly at the box office, but is one of my favourite films of this year to date, and that is The Flash. Now, you've heard me talk about this film on this podcast before. We've done trailer reactions. We've talked about the film coming out. We've talked about who is in the film. But this is the first time that I'm going to sit down and just walk you through my experience with The Flash and also my thoughts on it now that I've had a chance to see it a couple of times and that it is out there in the world being either adored or ripped apart by the wonderful world that is social media. In case you somehow missed it, The Flash is directed by Andy Muschietti, who directed both of the It films, that's It and It Chapter 2 recently, and is written by Christina Hodson, who was the writer on uh, Birds of Prey and The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. It stars Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, The Flash, Kiersey Clemens as Iris West, Sasha Kege as uh, Kara Zorel slash Supergirl, Michael Keaton, and Ben Affleck, and and someone else, in fact. Oh, in fact, and two someone else's. Uh, as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And a plethora of special cameos. And a return appearance of Michael Shannon as Zod from Man of Steel. The film takes cues from the classic comic book uh, Flashpoint, written by Jeff Johns, in that it is a story around Barry travelling back in time and stopping the murder of his mum, who is played beautifully in this film, by Pan's Labyrinth star Maribel Verdu, who plays Nora Allen, and she stars alongside uh, Ron Livingston, who takes over the role of Henry Allen, Barry's father. It's not a straight-up retelling of the Flashpoint storyline. If you want that, then please go and check out the absolutely wonderful Flashpoint animated movie, which came out... Uh, actually, I don't want to think about how long ago that film came out now. It's, it's using the storyline as inspiration to tell a story around... Barry dealing with the grief and loss of his mother, but also, I mean, it's clear and, you know, if you read about this film online, you know that this was going to be the case with it. But they were using Flashpoint as a mechanism by which to make some really, really major changes to the DC universe. Now, this film, I mean, plenty has been written about this film in general, but this film has existed in a state of production underneath three different regimes at Warner Brothers. So it kind of started under the era of Walter Hamada and there is a version of the ending of this film which exists under that original regime at Warner Brothers. Then obviously Discovery comes in and takes over the company and uh, 
Hamada stepped away from DC Films and you had a, a duo whose names I've now completely forgotten who took over Warner Brothers Pictures who oversaw some changes to the ending of The Flash which were in line with things that you may have seen in Black Adam and were leaning towards where DC was going before it was decided to make it its own studio. So then... Um, you have James Gunn and Peter Safran who come in with the formation of DC Studios and the ending to the film does change again slightly to fit in with... I don't want to say their future because it doesn't signify anything that is happening in the future. There is a little tip of the hat in the post credit scene which does discuss some elements of what might happen in the future and I will pick up on that a little bit later on. But really, all they have done is made sure that this film uh, exists and exists in its own world which could be adjacent to part of the DCU when that starts in earnest in 2025 with Superman Legacy. So let me talk about my connection to this film uh, to begin with, because I think giving you the context of why I connected with this film in the way that I have helps you to understand my feelings towards it and why I ended up giving it the score that I did in my review, which I will give you a shameless plug that you can read my review now over on our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. So this film was always going to be quite emotional for me personally. This year, uh, we celebrated is the wrong word, but we marked the five-year anniversary of when my mum passed away. Now, my mum passed away from cancer. She didn't pass away. She wasn't murdered by reverse flash in front of me when I was a child. Um, but certainly the fact that the film tackles somebody who is grieving the loss of their mother is is something which is very personal to me. And also, the actual release of the film itself in cinemas was within one week of that five-year anniversary happening for me. So when I first saw this film uh, back in April, when I was lucky enough to see it at Warner Brothers head office in London it was it was an emotional experience but it wasn't as impactful as it was when I saw it on the day of release where things were really really fresh in my mind but certainly there is some wonderful wonderful scenes between Maribel Verdu and Ezra Miller particularly towards the end of the film when uh, Barry has realized that the only thing that he can do to fix what has happened to the universe is to let go of and say goodbye to his mum I mean, it's incredible. I the when I saw it at the the special screening that we had in London on on release day, I I was an absolute wreck because it just hits all of those emotions perfectly. Both their performances, her not understanding who this this man is that's that's crying on her shoulder, but you know, kind of her putting forward her feelings as a mother where Barry is also trying to sort of reconcile with the fact that this is him saying having to say goodbye and having to having to allow her to pass away that powerlessness is something that I can appreciate profoundly and that partly is why I feel so connected to it and on a lighter note the whole reason that I'm here recording this podcast the whole reason that I get to see films like this early the whole reason that Get Your Comic Con exists is because when I was little, I used to watch reruns of Adam West's Batman, which is 
something which may or may not factor into certain cameo portions of this film. But also, I grew up watching Michael Keaton's two Batman films, so Batman 89 and 1992's Batman Returns, both directed by Tim Burton. So Michael Keaton is very much what I would say is, you know, who I would say is my, quote-unquote, Batman. So to have him back in a film 30 years later is just incredible. So there's these two opposing sides of the coin there's this very very sad emotional context to this film which i as i just said i kind of profoundly associate with but also there's this massive high point at seeing my batman back in action and doing some incredible work in this film back in his suit being the batman that he was in 1989 and 1992 so those are kind of the the reasons why i connect with this film so much and i think that helps you understand why my review of it is is so positive. There are still downsides to this film. It does not have the most perfect VFX, and we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, I can see beyond that uh, the kind of magic that lies underneath it, and I hope that's something that audiences will connect with if and when they do go and see it, be that in theatres, in cinemas, or whether it's when the film will eventually come out on home video as well. There, There should be an audience for this film. I hope it finds it. But I also understand the reasons why people may not want to see it either. I'm not going to use the word controversies because I don't want to over-egg the scenario. There are obviously headlines around changes made to this film, people who are in this film, uh, people who are in this film who have not been out promoting it but have appeared at the the LA premiere, etc, etc. Really, all I can say in this scenario is if you want to attack me for the fact that I saw the film and that I enjoyed it, feel free to. It's not going to bother me. I was able to compartmentalise any feelings that I have towards the public persona that this film's lead has, and I was able to look past that and enjoy this film for the work of the thousands of people, the VFX artists, the directors, the writers, the other cast members the camera crew, you know, everyone else that worked on this film makes The Flash The Flash, not just that lead actor. However, if you feel that you are unable to see the film for the very reason of struggling to reconcile with that, or, you know, that you have been profoundly affected by the things that this person has been perceived to have done in the public eye, then I absolutely understand that, and I appreciate that. I'm not going to tell you that your feelings are wrong. Likewise, I'm not going to allow you to tell me that mine are wrong. So we're just going to leave that there. That is all I feel that needs to be said about whether you do or do not want to see the film. It is your personal choice. Your personal choice is your own. Do not judge others for theirs. Let's start by talking about the storyline of the film. So I uh, I know it's been in the cinema for a couple of weeks, but I'm not going to go into major spoilery detail here because there are still those people that haven't seen it yet or people who are on the fence about it. So I'm going to try and keep it spoiler light. Uh, but I think the story of this film works really, really well. There are... I mean, it runs at just under two and a half hours. So it's not a short film, but it's not um, a overtly long film. There are... A couple of different storylines or a couple of different films which are within this that are vying for your attention. So in the first act, it's very much a story about Barry Allen and it's very much a story about him and his grief and his relationship with his father and his relationship with the the feelings about the loss of his mother. And you do get this wonderful opening sequence featuring some other heroes from the DC universe, which is very exciting to watch and it's executed really well. It's some of the best 
work that we've seen from these actors working together in the DCEU from that kind of iteration of the films. But then once you move into the second act and you bring in some of the time travel and multiverse travel and you bring in Michael Keaton, the film changes on its axis slightly and becomes something slightly different. It becomes more uh, high stakes. It becomes more high concept. You do have to suddenly wrap your head around the idea of multiple versions of characters, multiple universes, etc. And then it shifts on its axis again as you go into the third act by the time you've introduced Tasha Keje Supergirl and you've suddenly overlapped with uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel and are repeating some of what happened in that film but from a new perspective on this new earth. So there is there is an argument that there are a couple of different films in here which are vying for your attention but for the most part I feel it all sits and works together really well and it circles back to itself really well in the closing moments with the scene that I was just talking about between Barry and his mum. It brings it back to that emotional core. It's just that what they have attempted to do is to take those emotions, connect that with Barry's powers and show just how much his abilities could offer him the chance to have everything he wanted in the universe, but the dire consequences that could come from that. And I think really if you wanted to be able to do the full Flashpoint storyline, you would talk about introducing so many different elements that don't currently exist in the DC films that it actually could have become even more complicated. So something which people have asked me about since I've seen the film and since the film's come out is the fact that, and this is slightly spoilery, uh, you don't see the person who murders Barry's mum. That's not a plot point in this film. The fact that she is murdered is obviously a strong plot point. You do see the impact of that and you do come into that scene kind of midway through but you the identity of the person who does it the actual act of the the murder itself is not something which is touched upon and that is because you then have to introduce a whole new character you have to introduce a new concept and that takes up even more of your runtime and to go into flashpoint would be to bring back jeffrey dean morgan as thomas wayne and it, there's just so many elements the atlantean themiscary kind of amazon war is another element that I know people have commented on that they miss from the story, again from Flashpoint, but it's a huge element to then introduce and you need to have Lois Lane in there and you need to have the entire of the Justice League. So what Christina Hodgson and Andy Muschietti have done is really cherry pick the key themes from Flashpoint and some of the key elements such as how uh, in this version of the story Supergirl is being kept uh, locked up in a, in a bunker in Russia you know that there are elements that you will recognize from Flash, flashpoint but they are they're just presented slightly differently to try and bring the focus onto Barry and his story and his grief and his emotional journey and for the most part it really does work i think if you were to push me into ask what needs a little bit more development it's it's fairly simple for him to come up with how he's going to travel back and what he's going to do to stop his his mum from from being murdered and you do have a phone call between Barry and his dad you do get to see you know similar to what we saw in Justice League you see that Barry's dad is resigned to the fact that he's in prison and wants Barry to move on with his life which is very very key to Barry's development and to his character but it's quite quick here that the film goes from dad's in prison there's an impending um hearing for for him to potentially 
be let out based on potential new evidence from that to Barry deciding that actually he's going to go and make a change in the past. So it's it's a it's a little quick and it's a little convenient that we go from okay Barry's uh, you know still grieving his dad's still in prison he has an upcoming hearing actually I can travel back in time and change things boom done okay and we're off with all of the crazy multiverse stuff. So there is there are some conveniences there and if there was a longer cut of the film I would hope that it would include a little bit more in that first act that would set up some of those emotional beats so that they're a little bit stronger later on in the film but I can't criticize how they're executed when it comes back to tying all of that up and closing it off for the film to end because as again as I've praised it already twice in this podcast the the final scene between Barry and his mum is incredible the Keaton plotline I really enjoy uh, it's fun to have him back. You could argue again that you could pick any Batman. You could have had a George Clooney. You could have had a Val Kilmer. You could have had a Christian Bale. It just needed to be another Batman. I'm just so happy that it's my Batman. If anyone in the storyline is slightly shortchanged, it's probably Sasha Cage. And I say this only because she's excellent as Supergirl. What you get to, to see of her in this film is incredible. She has a wonderful strength of character she carries off the action really well for somebody who's never acted in a movie before and she is able to portray this version of the character's distrust of humanity really really well given that she's been locked up in a bunker since she arrived on earth there is you know there are obviously feelings of angst and mistrust towards humanity and she is really able to communicate that in a very short space of time very effectively and I would like to see more. So I hope that she has the chance to play the character in Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, uh, the film that's being worked on by Tom King as part of the DCE, uh, DCU. Um, if she does, that would be absolutely wonderful. But I can also understand why they may wish to to move on. That's probably really all I want to say about the storyline. Um, actually, I guess that there is one more thing that um, is worth picking up on. So... I mean, you could go on social media and you could see a hell of a lot of spoilers right now for for the big kind of multiverse sequence which is in this film, which we all knew was coming. We all knew that there were going to be cameos, etc., etc. I think that is a wonderful moment for a DC fan. If you are a, a fan who has read Crisis on Infinite Earths, then the visual style of that moment will, will look very familiar to you. It will all feel very... Uh, much like it's honouring the comic book, which is which is great. As a DC Comics fan... It's wonderful to see it represented so well on screen and done in a way which is is very, very key and core and just perfect for the DC universe. In terms of how it works on film, again, it feels like another moment that is maybe not as well earned as it should be. It's it's a it's con- it's a convenient consequence of the actions of the various Barrys who are then in the film. So although it makes it makes sense and it's fun to watch it it still could use more context in terms of the story itself but those are really only minor niggles and you are talking about a big budget hollywood movie and the more they show the more expensive it is and the more time it takes and i guarantee you that if this film had clocked in at three hours we would all be saying that it was too long so i appreciate that things do get lost in order to save time and so I think there is enough there that things are able to make sense and they are enjoyable but at the same time it would be wonderful to see more which I think is I mean that's a good problem to have right the problem is I would I want more (laughs) it's not that I feel like anything was missing it's that I just want more of it and the more I want of it the more it will make sense so I, I think that's good 
I do want to talk about the special effects because that is something that you will, I'm sure, have seen since the film's been released that people are talking about in great detail on social media. There are moments in this film which could be improved upon in terms of the visual effects. Clearly, they were using their budget as best they can. The saddest thing is I think there are moments in this film that which look truly amazing. When the bat plane is zipping around, it looks perfect. It looks great. It's you know, it's imposing on screen when Batman jumps out of it over the Russian bunker in the middle of the night and it's over the moon making the bat symbol as he's like flying down. It looks great. There are moments where you forget that there are visual effects in this film and those moments do look great. Then there are moments where you couldn't have done things practically such as the infamous baby scene at the beginning of the film uh, which, you know, you couldn't throw... 10 babies out of a hospital window and film a practical sequence of babies falling to the to the ground below with the flash trying to save them and yes those those moments do need a little bit more polish but you know what it never took me out of the film at any point when i was watching it there's you know i've seen it three times and there's never been a time where i've watched it where i've sat and thought those effects are so terrible i'm completely pulled out of the film Yes, there are moments which require more polish, but I think to call this one of the worst-looking films in the history of cinema is is just a, a symptom of the way social media is these days, that everything either has to be a 10 or a 0. There is no mi- middle ground. And I think if you're talking about, overall, the effects in The Flash, this is a very middle ground level of, of visual effects. But... Where it counts, the film's got it, and that's the main thing. I would be more disappointed if the biggest moments in the film were really, really lacking in detail. So, whilst I think they could be better, it certainly is not the the disaster that some of social media would like to make it out to be. One thing that I think is absolutely outstanding, however, is Benjamin Wolfish's score. The album is out now, you can pick it up on digital platforms. There is also a really sexy vinyl version of it which you can pick up. Uh, and it's a really brilliant score. It starts out very original. You you feel the flash within the style of the music that Benjamin Wolfish has created. And then when Barry travels to the 89 universe, it suddenly takes on these Danny Elfman-esque tones to reflect, again, the music from Michael Keaton's films, which I think is a brilliant way of just subtly, audibly making sure the audience knows this isn't our Earth and that we have moved on slightly. And then when you shift into the the big fight sequence in the desert with uh, General Zod, there is, uh, they don't completely repeat uh, Hans Zimmer's music from Man of Steel but there is again an influence of Hans Zimmer that creeps into the style of the music which tells you that you're in new territory again and I think that's brilliant obviously Michael Keaton's theme is back and it's wonderful to hear it in in new ways and there are some really beautiful themes in there that have been created for Ezra Miller's Flash 2 there's a piece of music on there called Run which is this wonderful piano piece that goes into something huge and I can't stop listening to it because it's so it's so beautiful. I really hope that this is a, a film that gets a live concert experience at some point because it would be magical to hear this music played live. I also have to say a massive thank you to Warner Brothers for the amount of opportunities that they've they've thrown my way with this film. So as I said, I first saw it back in April. Because of that, I managed to have a quote, uh, which is thrilling, funny, and deeply emotional, which has been playing in trailers on TV here in the UK, which is magical, as well as being on social media uh, and in YouTube adverts as well. 
I got to go to a very special screening of the film on the 14th, uh, which had a very cool after party. Michael Keaton's Batmobile was there. We had really cool photo ops. It was, it's been a wonderful experience working on this film. And as you'll know, this is, this is my 10 year anniversary since I started this, this film, comic book, movie, you know, all of this journey. And so to be able to say that in my 10th year, I had my first quote on a DC movie on TV and it's a film with Michael Keaton in it. And it's a film that has impacted on me so much. It's just wonderful. And I cannot thank Warner Brothers enough for that. I'm sure that will trigger someone to say that they paid me for my quote, but that is not true. You can hear from the things that I have said in this podcast that I have genuinely loved this film for what it is. And, uh, you know, okay, fair enough. Maybe there is more for a Bat fan to get out of this film than a Flash fan. But I think if you think very objectively about what was happening at Warner Brothers that brought this film to the point where it, you know, it told the story that it did and does the things that it does, there is a really great movie in there that has been made by some wonderful people working through very difficult circumstances. And I'm so happy to find out from, as a consequence of this, that Andy Muschietti is going to be, hopefully, directing Batman Brave and the Bold because Andy and his producing partner sister Barbara are such Batman fans and such huge DC fans. The work that they have done on this film is incredible and they deserve... I mean, I would be happy to watch a Justice League movie by Andy and Barbara. Anything in the DC Universe by them is magic in my book, so I can't wait to see what they cook up next. I would like to know if you have seen The Flash, and if you have, what you thought of it. So please do reach out and find me on social media. I'm uh, at Neil Vag, that's N-E-I-L-V-A-G-G, on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find all of our Geico uh, socials at Get Your Comic Con on all platforms. I will be back very soon with another podcast. We need to talk Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We need to talk My Adventures with Superman, which is a brand new upcoming animated series I've been watching recently. There is lots going on as we head into summer and into San Diego Comic-Con season. So I will be back very, very soon, all being well, trying to podcast a little more in the run-up to pod number 100. So until then, stay safe, stay well, and I will see you very, very soon. Bye.